Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Yeah, everybody's looking so good today. Uh, as I said, happy Mother's Day to all the moms here today. You know, there's a lot of things that we learn from our moms. Think about this for just a moment. My mother, by the way, taught me religion. I'm so thankful mom taught me religion. She used to say things like, you better pray that stain comes out of the carpet. You know, so she taught me how to, she taught me how to pray. Yeah. My mom also taught me medicine. She would say stuff like, if you don't stop crossing your eyes, you're going to get stuck that way. So, you know, I'm a doctor now because of... My mom taught me how to be a contortionist. She says stuff like, we just look at the dirt on the back of your neck. Just, I never, never could do that. My mom taught me to appreciate a job well done. She said stuff like, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning the house. I want to make another mess of it. My mom taught me about genetics. She said stuff like, you are just like your father. Okay. Sorry, Dad. And my mother also taught me logic. She said this so often, it just made so much sense. She said, because I said so, that's why. It's very logical. So, I'm kidding, Mom. Anyway, just thought I'd have a little humor there. But today, as we celebrate mothers, and we begin our Save a Baby campaign, we're also beginning a series entitled Family Matters. Now, there's a coordinated attack today on the family. There's a coordinated attack on our children, on genders, on marriage, even on the simplest definitions of these things. That's why today I want to take some time here, uh, the time that we have, to see what the Bible says about what uh, maybe one of the most seemingly fundamental and uh, obvious answers to this question that we're going to pose today. And that question is, what is a woman? You know, as we were reminded last week, we live in an age of great deception. The spirit of Antichrist is a spirit of great deception, and it's getting stronger today as we approach the return of Christ. No, what's going on today is not anything other than the root of it is the spirit of deception of Satan himself. Jesus said that when we see the things that are happening in the world today, that's happening right now, when we see it in that generation, he says to look up because your return, his return is soon. So one of the signs of this expanding influence is the spirit of Antichrist, this deception. That's what the spirit of Antichrist is. And it's not just deception, and it's because his purpose is not just to deceive people, but it's also... That deception leads to confusion, which then also leads to division. And we saw about that last week, and you can listen to last week's message if you're interested in hearing about the four horsemen of the apocalypse and how, how they progressively kind of work with one another. Now, Daniel 8 says that the Antichrist will be the master of intrigue. He'll also cause deceit to prosper. We see that happening. Also, Daniel 7 says that he's going to speak against the Most High. He's going to oppress the saints. And listen to this. He's going to try and change the set times and laws. Think about that. Try to say, change the set times and laws. What we're seeing is that actually happening. It's being manifest in this most fundamental question today. What is a woman? For thousands of years, the definition of a woman has never been a point of debate. Has it? 
Ever since God made Adam, who by the way, Adam was a man, he was a male, and Eve, who is a woman, she was a female, the obvious external and internal biological and reproductive differences defined themselves. But now, all of a sudden, we're in an age where politicians and school boards and celebrities and college professors and counselors and corporations and even the newest addition to the Supreme Court, by the way, of the United States of America, are at a loss to articulate the definition of what a woman is. So we ask the question, what is going on here? Are we living in a new enlightened age? No, we're living in an age of great deception. Understand what's going on here. Because the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of deception and confusion and division. He's the master of intrigue who is trying to change set times and laws. Being a man and being a woman is a biological set law. Do you hear me this morning? No amount of hormone treatments or surgeries or external attire or mannerisms or declarations of how that person feels will change the fact that there are only two DNA platforms for human beings. Just two. Just two. The male has an XY chromosome and the female has an XX chromosome. That's it. There's recently been made this documentary that's entitled, What is a Woman? Where a man interviewed people on the street. He interviewed licensed, trained professional counselors. He also trained other supposed experts in various fields of science and biology, asking this very simple question, what is a woman? And if you watch it, they shucked and they jived their way into a pretzel and answer that was as confusing as they are confused. Know this, that the spirit of Antichrist is a spirit of deceit which brings confusion and division. And we need church, listen to me, to function in the Holy Spirit's gift of discernment to help us to navigate through the deceit the enemy is trying to intrigue and to fool us with. And again, let's be reminded today that people are not our enemies. Satan is our enemy. People are not things. People are not it's. They are they and we are we, human beings, all of us, human beings, loved by God, who need de Jesus desperately. And let me go further. Men are not enemies of women, and women are not enemies of men. The gender war that is orchestrated, it's an orchestrated attack, it's from the pit of hell, and we need to identify it for what it is. It's division. It's confusion. It's deceit. And as much as I'm tired of the feminization of men and the masculinity of women, we need to understand that there's a spirit behind these manifestations. People are walking in this confusion. They're not, they're not things. And these people that are walking in this confusion are not hopelessly beyond repair. Amen? They're simply broken. They're confused. And they're deceived. And they're bound. And they need the loving and powerful grace of God to open their eyes and to deliver them and set them on the course and destiny that God has for them to live out, not Satan. So, what is a woman? This should be a very simple answer for us. I mean, I should just answer it right now and just be done with it. But this generation and the culture that we're in, that we're in requires me to expound on this a little bit further. We can say that a woman is a female, and that would be true. We can say that a woman is the opposite and complementary sex to a man. And that would be true. 
We can say that a woman is a human being who has the capacity to become pregnant and give birth to a baby, and that would be true. Maybe a woman might be a mother who nurtures and cares for her children. True. She may be a homemaker. She may be working out in, in, the, in, in some sort of corporation. But she is definitely feminine in her mannerisms and ways. There may be even some men who say today, I'm still trying to figure out what a woman is. And men, don't you say amen. All right. Women. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to like this message, Pastor. Women are complex. Women are mysterious. Women are beautiful. And women are God's gift to the world. Amen, men? All of these are correct that I've said, but there's so much more to a woman than these declarations. I love the femininity of women. I love the gentleness of women. I love the care and the nurturing of women. I love the extra level of discernment in women. I love the creativity of women. I love the motherhood of women. When God made Eve, God asked Adam what he wanted to call her. <laughs> and all Adam could say is he took the first look upon her was, whoa, man. <laughs> When you have the pulpit, you can tell your own jokes. <laughs> but that's my joke. And so she was named woman. <laughs> but there's a movement in our world today that's attacking and trying to redefine womanhood. And the radical feminist movement is pitting itself against the male chauvinists and vice versa where we see the spirit of Antichrist at work again. He's deceiving, he's confusing, and he's trying to divide and it's working. These movements, by the way, are so ingrained in our culture. Listen to me, church. Sometimes I believe that we as believers in Jesus are having a hard time separating them out from what God's word says. In fact, I think they've been so successful, these movements, this, this deception has been so successful that we've really abandoned what God's word says about it. Unbeknownst to us, we've abandoned it. We've abandoned what it means to be a woman of God. And by the way, also a man of God, which men will get to that on Father's Day next month. I'll ask the question and answer it, what is a man? But today, what is a woman? But listen to me, those who are attacking God's best and final creation, stop trying to destroy womanhood. Stop it. You're being deceived. You know, this carnal, worldly movement has been trying to destroy womanhood for decades, and it's time for the women of God and the men of God to stop embracing what the world is shoving down our throats and redeem womanhood for God's glory and purposes. I'm tired of the world defining what womanhood is. Church, let's the church define. Let's let what God's word says and define what womanhood is. Let's get back to that. Amen? Stop following the beat of the drum of the world's patterns and rhythm. Let's find out what the beat of God's word says and march to that. This world has a confusing way of trying to define what a woman is, but what does God's word say about it? By the way, God's word is not confusing. God's word is clarifying. 
Right now, there's gender confusion going on. You hear that, right? And there's 72 plus genders on Facebook, and they got so tired of adding them that they just finally just put an other category because people are like, whatever, you know? Oh, there's none of these 72 I identify with, so I'm just going to add that. It's crazy. It's confusing, isn't it? God is not the author of confusion, nor is God's word confusing. So how can a woman live out her true essence of how God has created her? To discover and to live out the true essence of womanhood, I think it's time for us to go back to the original creation in Genesis 1 and 2. How about that? Let's just go back to the original uh, owner's manual. Go back to the original uh, creation of what God did. Because in these two chapters, we're going to see three different things. It's really a threefold definition of what a woman truly is in her original creation. Here's the three things, and we're going to flesh them out. First, it's to fill the earth. Second, it's to subdue the earth. And third, it's to be a helper. Okay? I'll get on those in just a minute. You can see them on the screen. But I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1 with me. I hope you have God's word with you. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go to verse 27. Let's see how God created man and woman and what God has called us to do before sin entered into the world, by the way. These were all assignments and uh, unique uh, abilities that God gave men and women before sin entered into the world and turned everything upside down. Okay, here we go. Genesis chapter 1. Starting in verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Would you say these next words with me? Male and female, he created them. That's pretty simple, isn't it? All right. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So here we see that man and woman are to fill and to subdue. Then we have an added role that's unique for the woman, one of a helper. This is in Genesis 2.18. The Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. That's a unique assignment for the women. We're going to get to that later. Let's unpack these three things beginning with the first responsibility, and that is to fill the earth. Fill the earth. God said he wanted Adam and Eve to be fruitful, to increase in number, and to fill the earth. This speaks to procreation. Look around. I think we got it pretty well in hand. Look at the earth, the 8 billion people that are on the earth. I think we figured out how to procreate. Not a hard thing to do. But beyond this act of sexual intercourse, we see the two different roles of a man and a woman in this filling of the earth. Up until recently, unless you listen to some knuckleheads, by the way, only a man could get pregnant. Or rather, only a, only a woman could get pregnant. Not a man can get pregnant. <laughs> The man can only impregnate. The woman can only get pregnant. Can I just say that again? Because I know I stumbled over that for some reason. Only a woman can get pregnant. Only a man can impregnate. A man cannot get pregnant. I don't care what you hear out there, whatever sort of agenda, whatever sort of phrasing, whatever sort of woke stuff that's going on out there, whatever sort of deception that's going on out, there, on out there, I'll say it again, only a woman can get pregnant. That's it. A biological man, spoiler alert here, guys, but we don't have wombs, okay? Only a biological woman has a womb. The man provides the seed, it joins with the woman's egg, and the baby grows in the woman's womb. You don't have to be a biologist or a Supreme Court justice to know and understand this. 
But what's the unique role of a woman in this command to fill the earth? Is it just to provide the womb? Is, I mean, is, is that it? Or is, just, are there, is there more to it? First, let me say this, that I think this movement to redefine the role of women has denigrated, actually, their role of fertility and procreation. This, this, this womb, this carrying of a baby, this nurturing of a baby inside of you is not a side role for a woman. It's also not an inconvenience. A baby is not an inconvenience. I'll say this again. A baby is not an inconvenience, woman, man. A baby is not an inconvenience. It's a blessing from God. And woman, your womb, your ability to carry this precious baby inside of you is, is not an insignificant little feature of how God created you to be. It is, in fact, a primary role that should be celebrated. And we do celebrate that today. Happy Mother's Day. There's not anything much more beautiful than a pregnant woman. There's a life growing inside of her. There's a beautiful, beautiful gift from God that he's, that he, that he's entrusted into her care. To protect and to nurture and to let that child grow in her womb. I, I can never say this, any of this as a man. I don't have a womb. When Kelly was pregnant with our two sons... She had this awesome responsibility, this awesome privilege to be connected with these boys that I could never have. There were two little human beings growing inside of her. I mean, how cool is that? How unbelievably magnificent is that? Psalm 139 says this in verse 13, for you, oh God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You are an amazing creation of God. And it began in your mama's womb. Woman, all of you here today who are mothers, you're to be commended for the sacrifices that you make to bring babies into the world. I thank you. Think about it. Every single one of us in this place had our beginnings inside of our mother's womb. Your mother chose to embrace you and to keep you and to give birth to you. I know right now you're probably just saying, I need to get on my phone right now or text my mom and thank her right now for, for having me. And it's all right. You need to be thankful to your mama. Thank you, Mom. So we really kind of get this first one, you know? You don't have to be a Christian to obey the command to be fruitful and multiply. It's happening all over the place, whether you're a believer or not. And the role of a woman is unique in that command. So thank you, women of God, for offering your wombs that we might have life and walking in obedience to God's command to be fruitful. We would not exist without you. But there's also another part of this, this womb, yes, but there's also this nurturing that comes, uh, that comes with it that, that cannot be overstated. I know when I was growing up and I didn't feel good in the middle of the night, I instinctively went to my mom, not my dad. Sorry, dad, no offense to you. There was just something about my mom's nurturing that I knew that she was going to take care of me. I knew that I needed to go to that nurturing. I was just drawn to it. The same thing happened with our boys, with Kelly. If they weren't well, 
it was Kelly who they went to. They knew that she would move heaven and earth to make sure that they were okay. I get it. There's just something, there's just something about a woman that God has placed in them that draws them to take care of, of things and take care of people and, and draw them. And really, we, we're drawn to them for comfort. There's just something about it. I, I, it's like, you know, guys fix things, but women fix people, you know? Guys are drawn to projects to get done, and women are drawn to the needs of people to make sure they're okay. It's kind of a hardwire sort of thing that God did, and it's a beautiful thing, in fact. But women, you're not only to nurture them in their times of sickness or need, but also there's an expectation and an obligation and a command from God that you're to nurture them by discipling them in the ways of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 or 5 is a scripture that you may not think it applies to you today, but it does to all of us, in fact. It says, for what we preach is not of ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. You see, a, a mother is a servant, really. And in everything that she says and does, she's actually preaching Jesus Christ to her first congregation, her children, her husband, those in her care, those in her circle of influence. This verse isn't just for pastors and preachers. It's for all of us who have congregations. We're to teach them the ways of the Lord. We're to train them up. We're to disciple them. We're to lead them to the foot of the cross. As I said in the baby dedication a few moments ago, I think about Moses' mother and Samuel's mother, Jesus' mother, as they nurtured their sons to impact the world for good and for God's glory. In church today, women, mothers, listen to me. The world is in desperate need of faithful and powerful followers of Jesus more than ever before. Powerful and faithful followers of Jesus. Not lukewarm, not half-baked, not Sunday morning Christians, not fair-weather Christians. I'm talking about faithful and powerful followers of Jesus. And women, you have an, uh, uh, you have an opportunity to nurture your children, to nurture your grandchildren, to nurture those that God has placed in your care in the ways of Jesus so that they can be raised up to be faithful and powerful followers of Jesus as well. I think about Aaron right here standing on stage, a perfect example. What a wonderful gift to, to, the, to the world she is, amen? Because her mama chose to keep her and then send her out for an adoption to raise her up. And what a great example. We see that fully-fledged life that was simply a promise 18 years ago. So what is a woman? A woman is uniquely created by God to give birth to and nurture those placed in her care to love and serve Jesus with all their heart. And we thank you women again for taking seriously your role to filling the earth. So here's the next thing. That the man and the woman are assigned to do equally but with unique responsibilities and that is to subdue the earth. Subdue the earth. That's the second thing if you're taking notes. So we see again that humanity has had no problem subduing the earth. Civilization exists on every single continent, even in the most uninhabitable continents. We've mastered crop production and skyscraper building and science and medicine and technology, even space exploration. Man, we have subdued. And we're actually at a place today where we even see a movement to save the planet. I don't know if you've noticed with all the implications it brings to our day-to-day. -day. Some would say that when God said to subdue the earth, that he gave us permission to treat the planet as we wish. But we've not been called to mistreat the planet, to ravage the planet, or to exploit the planet, but to be good stewards of the planet. 
He's simply placed it in our care. It says when God created Adam, and we see in Genesis 2.15 that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. He didn't say he gave it to him. He simply just said, here, take care of this. Steward it well. You know, I can't imagine, a, a, a wood, for example, a woodworking father placing his son in charge of his woodcraft shop where he's making beautiful furniture and then ordering his son to set the wood shop on fire. No. We're not called to destroy the earth. We're called to tend the earth, to steward it well, and to take care of it for God's purposes. He's given us the keys, but he still owns it. There was nothing stated when God created Eve that he changed his mind about tending the garden. So Adam's job was also Eve's job as well. So really, subdue doesn't mean to exploit or to overrun. What subdue means is to steward well. Steward well. So what does that look like for a woman as it relates to our question today, what is a woman? When we think of the word, uh, word stewardship, we think of someone who manages things well. We can either be wise or foolish in our stewardship or managing of things. Eve had her garden. Women, today, we have our households. We have our families. We have the things that he's placed in our care, whatever that is. Proverbs 14.1 says this, the wise woman builds her house. But with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. So we have two extreme contrasts here. So how can you tear things down? Well, the same way that you can build them up, actually. With your words. With your actions. With your thoughts. With your choices. With your goals. You can build up or you can tear down just as easily with those things. A foolish woman tears her house down, but a wise woman builds her house up. And I would say that this is as much subduing and stewarding as anything that we can do. In fact, I would propose that it's the most important choice that you can make, woman, woman of God, to stop tearing down your household, but to, get, but to begin to build up your household. This is very practical, it's very doable, and it's so very needed in our world today. So much dysfunction. And all of us with our efforts can, really when you think about it, you think, well, what can I do to, to make a difference? You can do a, make a difference in your family. You can make a difference what God has placed in your care to steward well. And as you steward well your family with your efforts, you can help come against the tide of this dysfunction that is present in so many households in our community, in our, in our country, in the, in, the, in the world today. I know it takes two to make this work, and guys, I'll get with you in a few weeks, I promise. But women, today it's about you. So let's be, I like, to, I want to use, I want to focus just a few minutes on this word prudent. I love this word prudent, prudence. It's actually the name of a girl, if you ever know anybody named Prudence. But, but actually, that, 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 that means something. It's not just the name of a person. Listen to this, Proverbs nineteen fourteen. It says, houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Oh, women, listen to this today. A prudent wife is from the Lord. What is the... What does this fun word prudent mean? It's kind of fun to say. Say that word with me. Say prudent. It's kind of fun to say it. It's kind of a fun word. Prudent. Prudence. I looked this up. A lot of interesting definitions to this. I'll try to say these slowly. You can write them down. Prudence means wise. Prudence means applying life experience appropriately. I like that. 
applying life experience appropriately. Prudence means being discerning. Prudence means to be judicious. If you don't want to write that word down, just put fair. Prudence means being fair. Prudence means being sensible. Prudence means being sane. What is that from? <laughs> sane. Prudence means being rational. Prudence means being able to see ahead. All of that is the definition of prudence. I looked it up. It's pretty cool. I want to be that. What a marvelous and seemingly impossible list to attain to, by the way, right? It's like, right, yeah, right. You know what? I am so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit to help us in every way that we fall short. The Holy Spirit says, here, let me help you with this. You can ask the Holy Spirit, woman of God, to help you in those areas that you feel like that you're kind of falling short. Because being a prudent woman doesn't come automatically. That list is not an automatic list. Oh, I'm bad. Give me something. Give me something that's hard. I got this one. No, I don't think so. We just read this list. Prudence comes from the Lord, right? We just read this scripture. Prudence comes from the Lord. A prudent woman comes from the Lord, not from our, I'm going to be prudent today. Holy Spirit, I need to be prudent today. That's the prayer. That's the cry. The Holy Spirit can help you to develop wisdom to learn how to handle people in situations. God, give me that. Amen? The Holy Spirit can help you to apply life experiences appropriately. He can help you with that. The Holy Spirit can give you discernment so, so that you're not deceived. He can help you with that. The Holy Spirit can help you to be judicious and fair in your sizing up of things and people. The Holy Spirit can, the Holy Spirit can help you to be sensible and sane and rational in your decisions, in your conversations, in your relationships. It's the Holy Spirit that can do these things. It's the Holy Spirit that can help you to see ahead, to see the big picture, to see your outcomes. What, what will happen as I make these decisions? Lord, you know the end from the beginning. Help me, Lord Jesus, to make these decisions based on you showing me the outcomes. We can be foolish and tear things down, or we can be prudent and wise and build things up. It's really our choice every day in every, search, in every situation and circumstance that comes our way. So what is a woman? A woman is uniquely created by God to subdue by being wise in her stewardship of all that God has placed in her care. Being prudent, building up her household for God's glory. That's what a woman is. You'll never hear this on CNN or any other place. And I would also say, woman of God, you can do this and succeed with God's help and strength, which leads us to the final role that God has created woman to be. The first two, by the way, are dual roles for men and women with unique assignment for the women, unique responsibilities in those roles. Here's the third one. This is just for the women. And that's to be a helper. What does that mean? Kind of. We can kind of simply define that and just move on, but let's see what this says here a little bit. When Adam was created, Adam had an immediate deficit. And some of you may be thinking, yeah, what? that hadn't changed. It wasn't that he never stopped to ask for directions or anything like that. Adam's deficit was that he didn't have a companion. 
All the animals had companions, but Adam was alone, the Bible says. Genesis 2.20 says, So the man gave uh, names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, there was no suitable helper to be found. So when God made Eve, she filled his deficit. And we see these two words that describe this filled deficit. Suitable and helper. Helper. When we see the word helper, we need to define that a bit more clearly. There's some versions of, maybe your Bible might say, that she is a help meet. And that's good. That's a little more clarifying. But it still just needs a little bit further. Let's get down a little bit deeper into this thing. Because the word helper really means in its original form, ideal partner. Helper means ideal partner. Ideal. Not just a partner. Not just a second-rate partner, just, not just a consolation prize partner. It's an ideal partner. God created an ideal partner for Adam, a woman named Eve. Men, listen to me. Your wife, your significant female person that you love and care for, maybe you're not married to him, you're dating, but she is ideal for you, especially if you're married. You better, you better look at her as an ideal partner and not uh, anything else. Yeah, I mean it. I mean, we laugh about that. But I think sometimes we look at our spouses, if we're not careful, we'll look at them as something less than an ideal partner that God has made for us. Man, this is for you guys. Just for a second. Your wife is an ideal partner for you. Kelly's an ideal partner for me. We complement each other in every possible way. Every deficit, I feel like every deficit that's in me, she just fills it up. It's, it's, it's amazing how God did that. We're opposite in a lot of different ways, but in, in the right ways, you know, where we complement each other. But then we have this word suitable. What's suitable mean? Again, in its original meaning, it means appropriate match. Write that down, appropriate match. Suitable means appropriate match. So we can actually read this verse this way. God created an ideal partner, an appropriate match who was just right for him. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. Right? In this we see that Eve wasn't created as below or above Adam, but equal to Adam because Eve was taken out of his side. Yet, there was a unique role in that of a woman. God did not create Eve to be a slave for Adam. Men, you hear me? She wasn't created to be Adam's maid or Adam's servant, to respond to Adam's every whim. Shame on on us men if we treat our women that way, our ideal partner. Eve was taken out of Adam's side and immediately became Adam's equal, yet unique partner, appropriately matched as the just right mate for him, and by the way, him for her. There's a sense of order here that's established by God that makes sense, but has experienced a lot of pushback in the last 50 or 60 years or so, or maybe longer. I think where men have abused this verse and their role on one end, women have rejected and redefined their role as a woman on the other end, and neither is helpful or healthy or what God has originally intended. We're dealing with our roles as men and women, by the way, in our sin natures. This was described in Genesis 1 and 2 before the fall. We're living in the fall, the sin nature. So at no time, men or women, will our interactions with each other as male and female be perfect. 
but we need to at least strive towards perfection, sanctification, being more like Christ. And we have that privilege and opportunity with our husbands and our wives where the, smooth, where the rough edges are smoothed out if we allow it. But if we want to, ladies, do you want to get back to your best blessed role as God intended? Do you want to live out your best blessed life? If you do, just let me hear you say amen. Okay, six or seven. Then husbands, the rest of you, you're on your own. Then husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and then the women are to love their husbands as the church loves Christ. Now, that's a whole other message. And before I get into this message on marriage on Sunday, I'm not going to do that. We're trying to answer the question, what is a woman? And we're going to stay with that, and I'm almost done here. But let me just say that there's a blessed, God-ordained place for women in this pecking order that God established that actually is a covering for women if they'll reconsider their approach to things. I think women are screaming by their actions for men to step up and scripturally cover them. I'm still learning this with, with my wife. There's this interesting passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians that talks about women covering their heads and men not covering their heads and people shaving their heads. And well, it's kind of odd and confusing, really. But I do want to read one verse out of it showing you something about a woman as it relates to a man. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 11.7. It says this, A man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. We look at that and we think some women may take offense to that, of that and say, well, I'm not the glory of man. How dare that scripture say that? We may say, man, that's really weird that that man is the image of the glory of God, but now women is just the glory of man. It feels like it's kind of diminished role, right? But it's not. It seems like, it seems like that women are second class. It's like it's saying that women are some sort of cheap knockoff of, of the original, and the original ain't nowhere where it's cracked up to be anyway, right? But how about let's look at it like this instead. Woman was the final creation of God, right, women? Yeah, because some could say God looked at Adam, and he created him, and he stepped back, and he went, uh, yeah. Man, I could do better than that. See, what, 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 ah. And then he made Eve. He went, yeah. Which tells us that woman is the best and grandest creation of God. He saved the best for last, woman. Women, he saved the best for last. You're the best for last. Isn't that great? Yeah. So if you take this verse, it says man is the glory of God and woman is the glory of man. We can actually look at it in a similar way as if we were to say that man is, man is the holy, then woman is the holy of holies. Yeah. If man is the song, then the woman is the song of songs. Think about that. In other words, woman is the most of man. The woman is the glory of of the glory of God. She's the glory of the glory of God. She's the glory of the glory of God. She's more, not less. So how do you like that? This takes women from the second class to first class immediately and permanently based on what God's word says. Ladies, I hope you like that. Don't hold it over your men. I'm the glory of the glory. That's how I can hear it now. Oh, my goodness. I should have never preached it. Men, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Here's another part of it. As Jesus came to serve and not be served, we read this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. It says, this is talking about Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So it's, this is saying that God and Jesus are equal. It's not God and Jesus. It's God and Jesus. Okay? Rather, he made himself nothing. So he chose to make himself nothing and take the very nature of a servant. You hear me? You watching me? Here it is. God and Jesus. But he chose to be the servant. And he made himself in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Hmm. Okay, so if Jesus did that, we see here that women are not inferior to men, just as the incarnate Christ was not inferior to his father. But he chose to freely submit to God, his father, in God's plan, but yet as his equal. Yeah, it's okay, women. In fact, I'll say this, it's necessary to submit. It's not a bad word, it's not a curse word. If you want to live your best, blessed life in Christ, then we are to submit in the pecking order, but yet as equals. If men will treat women not as slaves, not as lesser, but as equal, yet unique, then submission would be easy and actually would be extremely freeing for women. Men and women are not inferior. Men, we're not greater than the women. Women, you're not inferior to men. We're not superior to the, to the women. We're all equal, but we're unique in our roles and assignments from God. That's what that suitable helper means. I'm equal, but here I am. I'm with you. How can we do this? I'm going to follow your lead. You're the priest of the home. I'm trusting your relationship with Jesus. Let's do this. See? So what is a woman? She's been uniquely created by God to be man's glory. She's his ideal partner, his appropriate match. She's just right for him with a submissive attitude, but an equal standing. That's what a woman is. That's what God's word says. So what is a woman in God's original design? A woman is fruitful, multiplies in so many ways, whether she offers her womb to birth babies or birth spiritual babies. She nurtures and cares for and disciples those placed in her care into fully-fledged, world-changing followers for Jesus. All right, ladies, have at it. What's a woman? She subdues, which means that she's a good steward of her resources, She's prudent, she's wise, and doesn't tear down, but builds up her household. What is a woman? She's a helper. She's a unique partner. She's a, she's a, unique, a unique partner that's appropriately amassed as just right mate for her man. She's not a slave, but she's equal to man, yet with unique responsibilities that only the woman can fill. She is the glory of the glory of God. She's his last and best and his highest creation. And as we celebrate all of the women today and honor you moms, you grandmoms, you single ladies, all ages and races and colors and backgrounds, you're beautiful. You're a lovely gift.
from God to us in the world. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. The unique roles that you faithfully and oftentimes thanklessly fulfill every day. Your love and care and gentle strength and wisdom holds this world together and makes life sweeter and makes life worth the living. And we honor you today. Would you stand with me today? And men, I think you need to honor all the women here today. If you will, just give them a hand. Would you? Would you stand with me today? Father, we thank you today for the women of God here in this place and those within the sound of my voice that are watching this online today. Father, the world would say a woman is this, a woman is that, a woman could be anything. Lord, we always would get back to what your word says about what anything is. So to answer the simple question of what a woman is, we see that today. It's simple, but it's challenging. Father, I pray that you would help the women of this church here, those that are here today listening to this, that it would, that it would help to strip away all the rest of the stuff, all the pressures and all the, uh, I don't know, just the, just the, the, the mandates and the instructions and the, and the commands that are put on them by so many other things and people and all this woke stuff that's going on and the redefinition of all this stuff is just ridiculous. Father, we strip it away. We lay it at your feet. We reject it. And we embrace, Jesus, what a woman of God is based on what your word says. I pray, Father God, that you'd give every woman in this place a wonderful day of celebration and a great next year of life until we meet again next Mother's Day unless you've returned by then and then well there's going to be a great celebration in heaven but Father help us as men and help us all as men and women to honor our mothers to honor the, our spiritual mothers our biological mothers those that have influenced our lives that are godly women that have spoken to us over the years spoken into us over the years modeled for us how to live a godly life Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all of those that have brought us to where we are today. Even if it's been a rough journey, we're here and you've brought us to where we are today and we thank you for that. Bless each mother. Bless each woman. Help these women of God in this church today and that are listening to this to live out the God-ordained unique assignment and responsibilities of filling the earth, subduing the earth, and being the helper that they've been called to be. Show us, Holy Spirit, what that looks like. It's unique in a lot of different ways based on our unique situations. But Lord, I pray that you'd show us what that looks like, each woman in this place, and to walk it out faithfully as unto you for your glory. We love you, and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.